Good morning, everyone. Beautiful rainy day in Chautauqua County. It's all right. Helps the helps the weeds grow, right? I uh, I used to live at a house that uh, required much mulching, and uh, it seemed like there was a couple years that pretty much uh, whatever I did uh, when I came back from work, I mulched. It was just this never-ending process, and um, we were joking with uh, uh, Dan and Sherry earlier, saying uh, uh, one of the greatest gifts you gave to us was this really well-mulched uh, um, um, landscaping around the parsonage. I uh, haven't hardly had to pull any weeds at all, which of course is ridiculous. They gave us much more important things than that, but uh, I'm always thankful for it. Uh, you know, the whole... Um, insecticide thing or, or, or herbicide thing, I, I'm, not, I'm not really into just spraying chemicals all over the place. It's not one of my great joys. But, uh, but there are moments when you just want to pull up the Roundup and, and just, you know, go for it. And uh, I used to uh, have a patio uh, in one of the places we've lived that was just all these flagstones and had all this uh, earth around each stone. And it was it was just necessary. I mean, we tried everything. We tried all these different, you know, sort of home remedies. No. Finally, I just got the roundup and went like that for, for hours on end. And that solved it. That, was, that worked. That worked. I was saying that to um, somebody uh, out there and, uh, in, the, in the gallery early. And he goes, I love roundup. I was like, wow, this is a big deal. Uh, yeah, uh, um, it works. It works. You know, uh, sometimes we look at our world around us and uh, we say, you know, God, why aren't you using a little more Roundup, you know? Uh, a lot of weeds out there. What's going on? Uh, let me just introduce you to uh, something that um, uh, my family describes as a part of the problem of evil, uh, mosquitoes. Uh, when we go for a hike, I don't know whether it's my surly disposition or something, but my family must be much sweeter and nicer than I am because they get all bitten up by mosquitoes, and they hardly touch me at all. It's great. <clears throat> Not really. I feel bad for them. But we inevitably get into this conversation about why are mosquitoes in this world, you know? And then that leads to, well, they're food for bats, you know? And then somebody says, why are there bats in this world? They're kind of gross, like flying rodents. Well, they eat mosquitoes. And then somebody says, couldn't we get rid of both of them at the same time? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, if we just cancel them out. But anyway, I know somebody out there is, I hope I haven't offended anybody. I'm not really trying to get rid of the food cycle or system or whatever we have. I, I know God has a plan even for bats and mosquitoes. But, um, it, you know, why, why are there bats and mosquitoes in this world? Why, why is there nasty stuff in this world? What? Where is God? Is he showing up? You know, we can laugh about mosquitoes, but much more importantly are some of the difficult things that, that you face, that I face. Hard times. I mean, breaking of relationships or just blatant evil experience. You know, we've seen on the news children kidnapped 
all over the world in terrible ways. These young girls in Africa and and the, the, the kids, the teenagers in the Middle East. And all. It's just, we say, God, if you're all powerful and you're all loving, then, then why is this bad stuff happening? And what we're really saying is, God, can you be trusted? Can you be trusted that evil will finally be thwarted and justice will come? Jesus um, was traveling around proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and enter the kingdom of God. But uh, I think somebody must have said to him at some point, well, how can your kingdom of God be here if there's still evil present in this world? Jesus, what's with your kingdom of God but the Romans are still occupying us? We're still paying taxes to them. The Messiah hasn't come yet, has he? Are you him, perhaps? We don't have a king still. We don't have self-rule. What about the godless people around us? What about people who don't seem to care that you exist, Lord? What about them? Why, why is this happening? How can you proclaim the kingdom of God? And so I think because of that, Jesus tells this Story, this parable that we're going to read together here. The parable of the wheat and the tares, or some translations called the parable of the weeds. And in part, this begins to answer some of these questions that people have about why are there bad things still happening. So if you'll open your Bible with me, if you open it to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read this together parable of the weeds, or the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. And uh, Matthew 13, starting in verse 24, we'll read 24 to 30, and then another couple parables happen, and then Jesus comes back and gives, uh, in verses 36 through 43, he gives uh, the explanation of that parable of the weeds. So let's read this. And, um, and friends, boy, I hope, I hope, I hope you're reading this book. This book is life. This book is awesome. It's God's word to us. It's like spiritual food. If you don't read this book, you start to starve to death spiritually. don't want you to do that. So I hope you read this book. It's got so much life in it. Starting in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, His enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because... While you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Moving over to verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. That's his way of referring to himself. The field is the world. 
And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom, the people of that kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the field, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, out of, out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you share this with us every day and that we have the privilege today of together in community looking at these words of Jesus. I pray that our hearts will be open and that you will work through this word as we explore it to bring us to greater understanding of you and greater action in following you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus notes in this parable that the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, it says here, but those terms are, are interused uh, 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 together. The kingdom of God is like a sower. Jesus calls himself the sower. Planting good seeds, good seeds, people of the kingdom, he says, in this messed up world. The sower plants good people in the world. But then an enemy, Satan, sows bad seeds, people of the evil one, among the good seeds. Did you catch that? In this world, there are people of the kingdom and there are people of the evil one. Now that's the way Jesus sets it up. That's not the way I set it up or some theologian out there sets it up. That's the way Jesus sets it up. He says you're a person of the kingdom or you're a person not of the kingdom, of instead the evil one. It makes me wonder, who are you? Yeah, that's a question each one of us has to ask ourselves. Who am I? Am I a person of the kingdom or a person doing my own thing? And inadvertently, not necessarily even on purpose, but in reality, being a person of the evil one. I, uh, I think there's a tipping point. There's a tipping point in all of our lives because, frankly, the reality is each one of us is messed up. Isn't it true? I mean, each one of us is weed-like sometimes. And, uh, and yet, there's this tipping point in your life, this moment when you say, okay, Lord, despite the fact that I still, you know, I still mess up, I still sin occasionally, that type of thing, absolutely my orientation is towards you. It's towards being a person of the kingdom. I've given my, my life to you. And there are others who might say, Lord, you know, uh, um, I don't really know if I've given my life to you. And I just want you to, say, to, to know that it's absolutely possible for you to know if you are a person of the kingdom or a person of the evil one. It is possible for you to know. You can know that today. Simply by saying, Lord, I, I want to I pass that tipping point. I want to be a person who, despite the fact that I still have faults and I still sin occasionally, I am a person of the kingdom following you. Well, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, look, the kingdom of God is like this. People of the kingdom, 
and people of the evil one living right next to each other, growing right next to each other in this world. He says this is normal, normal stuff to have evil sown in with good. We shouldn't be surprised at the presence of evil. We shouldn't think that just because evil is present, that means God has abandoned the situation. You know, sometimes people say, hey, we're going through a hard time, and I wonder, where is God? What Jesus is saying to you right now is, you're going through a hard time. That does not mean God has not shown up. This is normal, that there would be evil mixed in with good. It's interesting, when the weeds are discovered, the servants get edgy. They get almost accusatory. They say to the master, didn't you plant good seed? Can you hear that? Did you check beforehand? Did you have good stuff? Did you buy high quality? They're kind of like, why are there all these weeds here? They question the master. What's going on? Wasn't there a plan here? Were you following the plan? It kind of reminds me of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when they're in the boat in the storm and Jesus is asleep and they're, it's washing all over. And they're like, Jesus, wake up. Don't you know we're all going to drown here? Don't you care? (laughs) And Jesus is like, everybody calm down. And he says, peace be still. Storm goes away. And they're fine. And actually, they're fine storm-wise, but they're, it freaks them out. They're terrified when they begin to realize who Jesus really is. That's normal. It's normal for us when we feel like we're drowning in something. To say, God, don't you care? Where are you? I'm experiencing evil here. Has your pain caused you to question the master? Well, the master is gracious. He doesn't come after them and say, why are you asking me these accusatory questions? Instead, he says, no, no, friends, no, no. An enemy did this. And, and, you know, this is a common thing to happen in the ancient Near East. In fact, it was so common that the Romans actually had a law addressing the fact that sometimes people would go out and spread weeds in somebody's good field of wheat. There was actually a law with consequences about that that the Romans set up. So this is a kind of a normal experience that Jesus is talking about. And the servants, they want to just jump right in and remedy, remedy it right away. Can't we just get rid of these weeds now? I mean, let's get the roundup. Come on. Let's take them out, Jesus. You know, do, uh, do you have people that you just want to take out? I mean, seriously, in the name of Jesus. Just take them out. I, uh, I remember... Um, there was this kid when I was in junior high. His name was Mike. And uh, he was this small kid, scrappy kid. And he really came from a very, very difficult family situation. And he kind of decided that he was going to make my, my life miserable. And I knew I couldn't hate Mike because I was a Christian and God told me I didn't, couldn't hate other people. But I really did not like Mike. Man, if there had been some roundup... But, you know, I'd say to my parents, if I get a chance, I'm going to pound him. And my parents would say something like, you think that's what Jesus would want you to do, Bill? Oh, yes. But don't you just want it? It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, there's this, this type of weed called Darnell. 
it's very much like wheat. It's a plant that comes from the same family of wheat, and it's virtually indistinguishable from wheat until uh, it, it grows to maturity. In the early stages, you can't really tell. But when things start to head out on the plant, then you start, whoa, there's some weeds in there. This isn't just good wheat. We know this plant, it's mentioned by many ancient sources. Uh, Horace writes of it. Jesus talks about it here. Shakespeare even notes it in King Lear. If left in the field of wheat and then harvested with all the rest of the wheat, the bread that it makes causes dizziness in the people who eat it. And the roots of the two plants, wheat and darnel, intertwine very closely so that if you were to pull it out early before the wheat itself had matured, you would be ripping out the wheat plants too. If you went after it, you'd destroy everything. Jesus is saying, I know, I know you want to take them out with the, with the roundup. But just hold the roundup, friends. Life is more complicated than that. Jesus is talking about what theologians call the already not yet nature of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, if you put that next slide up there. The already not nature uh, of the kingdom of God. Already not yet. The, the ancient Jews, they believed that like that bottom line is, is a timeline headed in this direction. And they believed, hey, uh, the, the time is going on, and when the Messiah comes, bam, it's going to be changed. Everything's going to be better. It's going to be awesome. Everything will be fixed. But what happened is that Jesus comes the first time, and he lives, and he heals, and he does miracles, and he does ministry, and he dies, and he rises again, and he does the powerful work of the kingdom of God. And we see the evidence of that everywhere. We see people's lives changed. We experience in our own lives. We look around and we say, whoa, we see, we see stuff here where the kingdom of God is really uh, working. We see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see stuff that's real. So certainly the kingdom of God must be here, as Jesus said it is. He said the kingdom of God is here. But at the same time, we see a lot of evil still, don't we? We see a lot of things going on that we'd say, wait a minute, this is wrong. How how can the kingdom of God be here if this evil is still happening? And so what we've realized over the years as Christians is that there's the second coming of Christ when he promises that all will be made right, that justice will come, that evil will be destroyed, that good will happen. But in the meantime... We live in this already not yet. The kingdom of God is already here, but not yet fully here. In the, on the top right, you'll see that when Jesus comes a second time, then the kingdom will be fully here, and there will be no more tears and no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. All those promises that we look forward to in the second life. But in, the, in this current life, we live in this already not yet time. And if you think about it, doesn't that make perfect sense for what we live in in our world? We see God acting, but we also see great evil. Jesus is saying, the fact that evil is present does not mean that the kingdom is not here. It just means the kingdom is not here yet fully. Hang on. Hang on. Be patient. The disciples are like the servants. They had expectations that as soon as the kingdom comes, man, Jesus is going to wipe out evil. You know, remember that great story from Luke chapter 9 where James and John say to Jesus when he's gone through a Samaritan village and the Samaritans are like, yeah, we don't want to have anything to do with you. They're like, let's call down power, the power of heaven. Let's call down fire on these guys, Jesus. Go for it. 
And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We're not going to call down fire on the Samaritans just because they didn't immediately run to me. We're going to be patient. We're going to be patient. Why? Because God is a merciful God. His desire is that no one would be lost. God desires that all people will be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, the promise of final judgment. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God is long-suffering and gracious and kind. His desire is that nasty people get second chances and third chances and hundredth chances. And isn't that good news for you and me? Because we're nasty sometimes, aren't we? We are. I'm grateful for multiple chances from the Lord. But I'm also grateful that I know that despite my own brokenness, that I am a person of the kingdom. And that God is working on me, perfecting me, helping me to become more Christ-like. There are many chances for the people of this world to turn to Jesus. Jesus says, have patience. He's saying, in a sense, God will bring proper justice. He's assuring us that when we look out and we say, who's going to take care of that evil right there that was done to that person, and that per- the, 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 the perpetrator seemed to have gotten away with it, Jesus is saying the judgment of God will come and he will sort out all the good and all the evil. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. Jesus is saying, not everyone is going to make it. And that's, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But he's saying, some who resist hope and love their whole lives, who want nothing to do with me, I will not finally force myself upon them in the end. Everything that causes sin and all who do evil will be weeded out at the final harvest. Jesus says judgment is coming. And and let me just pause and, and, and say to you, are you ready for judgment? Because that's a pretty powerful word right there. Judgment is coming. Are you ready? Now, if you're looking at your own life, your own deeds, and you're saying, well, I'm a pretty good person. Can you name one bad thing you've done? It's kind of like a whole balloon, beautiful balloon. And you say, you know, hey, I have been great to this balloon. I just have one little pin that I want to stick in the side here. Just one? Come on. 99.9% of that balloon I'm not touching, but just one little pin here. What's the reality? The balloon pops, right? Friends, if we have one sin in our lives, we are not good enough for God. But here's the great news. We all who have tons of sin in our lives, God makes us ready for the judgment. All we have to do is receive, receive the, 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 the cleanliness, the righteousness that Jesus offers to us. Have you received that? Have you received that? I hope you have. You can receive it, as I said earlier, today. Yeah. Who is a weed? Could I be a weed? You know, we, we are messed up 
We could look at people who are Christians who have done really bad things. I mean, we could even, in the history of our country, look at people who, who would say, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, but I also support racism, slavery. Are those people weeds? Are they wheat? Here's the good news. We don't have to make that call. God is the only one who's going to make that call. There were groups in Jesus' time who felt like they could make that call. The Pharisees said, it's all about law-keeping, and we know who's in, and we know who's out. The Essenes said, it's all about being separated from this evil world, and we're going to live over here in this little commune, and everybody out there is compromised to the world. We're in, you're out. God says, you don't get to make that call. Only God makes that call. And Jesus says, let's just trust God on it. Let's trust him. Instead of pulling out the roundup and just starting to spray around, he says, just let those weeds grow. Let them grow right next to you. Don't you worry about it. God's in control. You know, we're at an interesting point in history. We look around at other Christians. They disagree with us theologically. Are there weeds or are they wheat? I don't know. I'm going to let God work that out. He's the one that's going to make that call. What I think Jesus is saying instead is be righteous and good and holy. Be, be a follower of God right where you are. Just flourish and watch the good that comes from that. My, uh, uh, <clears throat> my family gets asked a lot, having moved here a year ago, you know, I get asked a lot, how are your kids doing? Are, are they, do they do well transitioning to Maple Grove? And I'm like, absolutely. My kids are very encouraging. They say Maple Grove's been great to them, that the people there were very welcoming and loving. And uh, do we have a Maple Grove symbol here? Hey, there we go. There we go. And, uh, you know, yeah, that they've been, well, and sometimes, sometimes people say, because it, it didn't used to be that way. And I don't know. I actually had a person come up to me after the first service and say, it's true, it didn't used to be that way. Used to be real clicky. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just, all I can tell you is it's not that way now. My kids, when they walked in, they told me the first day of school, you know that terrifying feeling when you walk out of the, the, the cafeteria line and you've got your tray and where are you going to sit? And that there were kids with open spots at tables who were saying, come sit with us, come sit with us. You know, People have said to me, it's because of the influence of this church, the youth in this church. I, I, I hope that's true. I don't know if it's true. I know somebody said, hey, if we're clicky, we can either rail against being clicky or we can turn it around. We can do amazing things. We can invite kids. We can help them feel at home. And somebody did that. <laughs> it's made a huge difference in my own kids' lives. Are we supposed to stop the fallenness? of the culture all around us? Jesus says, no, apparently not. Now, you're allowed to speak out against it, but far more important is be righteous in the middle of it and watch how you can change that. I've been watching a lot of World Cup soccer lately. I don't know if any of you are soccer fans, but I love it when they get a red card. You got the picture of the guy? Yeah. Me? Could it be me that you're saying this about? I, I, you know, they get a yellow card or a red card, whatever. And, and you know, there's a, when you've been, you're 
ankle's been taken out or something, when, when you've been hurt, or, there's two ways to respond to that. One is you get mad, you start yelling, you might get a card yourself, right? The other one is play awesome soccer. Just give it back to them with fantastic play. And, and the result is you let all the anger that you could have had go right back in to helping you win that game. I think Jesus is saying to us, yes, it's okay to speak against evil, but friends, it's going to be there your whole life till the very end. And you can either moan about it or you can start doing awesome, righteous things in the middle of it, becoming great, beautiful, bold heads of wheat that will easily be harvested at the end. Friends, perfection is not required for us to be involved. We might say, uh, I, I'm waiting for a, a perfect institution. I'm waiting for a pure and unambiguous situation where I know everybody involved has right motives. Really? Because you're going to be waiting a long time. For yourself, too. Who has pure right motives all the time? Here's the deal. We're all functioning in broken systems. And the answer isn't, well, you know, we just have to get rid of organization and system. No. The answer is we just need to follow God and live a Christ-like life. I remember thinking, should I join a denomination? I mean, should I be Methodist or Presbyterian or maybe I, should I be independent? Should I do all that? I'd look at each denomination and say, there's so many messed up things about that. There's so many people in those denominations. That's right. If we could just get rid of all the people, it would be so much easier, don't you think? <laughs> but friends, we are the people. And the messed upness starts right here. The call of God on us is not to say, I demand perfection before I will function. It's get right in there among the weeds and live a Christ-like life. Hold the round up, friends. The weeds are going to be there to the very end. We want to get it out and start spraying around, but Jesus says, patience, patience. He counsels, hold the roundup. God will take care of the weeds, and in the meantime, do all the good you can. Have a gracious attitude. Desire that none would be saved. Seek good for all people. Be involved in the kingdom, and let God sort it out. And one last thought. If you're wondering, am I a person of the kingdom? Am I wheat or am I a weed? You can talk to God about that right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your powerful word, encouraging us to not give up because things aren't perfect, to not spray the roundup around, but let you sort things out, to not be surprised by the fact that there's evil in the world, but to trust that you are working to bring good and you will bring righteousness and judgment at its right time. God, give us patience for that. But I also pray, Lord, if there's just even one person here today who's wondering, am I a weed or am I wheat? Lord, I pray that that person might pray these words just silently in their heart, but know that this is a real interaction between you, the living God, and them. Lord, I pray that Anyone in that position might pray these words. Lord Jesus, I, I don't understand it all. 
but I sense that you love me. And I want to be, I want to be a person of your kingdom. And so I, I just ask that you would forgive me and that you would clean me up. And I just thank you that you promise you'll do that. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit to give me the strength to do it. And I just, I don't even know what's going on, but Lord, I just want you. Help me. Lord, if somebody prayed that today, I pray that you will assure them in their heart, you have heard that. And they have just crossed over from weed to wheat. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.